Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone's had a good week. Um, you know, it's been really great walking through Wholehearted Faith uh, by Rachel Held Evans during our Wednesday night groups. And you know, reading isn't required, but I highly recommend just jumping on the call if you're interested. But welcome to the first Sunday in Lent where we really start to see Jesus' descent towards the cross. Um, Ryan led us through a meditation on Wednesday to help usher in the season of our church calendar. But for some reason, this year feels quite different from years past. Maybe it's everything else that continues to go on in the world or my own exhaustion with recovery. Um, But I think I'm seeking more of a gentle Lent this year. I think we talked through a lot of really heavy but important stuff um, when we were walking through Atheism for Lent, and I just wonder how the rest of our community is feeling in terms of the season. Um, But we open up this week with Jesus' temptation uh, from the Luke inversion in Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Our kingdom, one does not live by bread alone. And the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of the Lord. So, I found it interesting that within the commentaries I usually look at when preparing for a sermon, there are pretty much two ways of dealing with this temptation. Either have very few notes on it at all, or question whether Jesus could really be tempted. Of course, there were others that did kind of explore some of these relationships, but for the most part, that's what I saw. And I look at this passage, and I see so many possible starting points for conversation. So I hope that in sharing with all of you here, I won't get too sidetracked, um, but we see Jesus confronted with basically three challenges and temptations. One for his own personal benefit, one for religious power, and one for political power. 
and we are met with this challenge of making some sense of the scene. I think in light of our conversation on Sunday, it's more interesting and perhaps more worthwhile to explore the idea of the temptation than it is to explore the who or the how of the accuser within the story. Um, We kind of briefly mentioned in our Wednesday group this idea of the accuser. Richard Rohr talks about, you know, the false self and the true self. There are perhaps many names and many ways to understand this force that go beyond an anthropomorphic, kind of dualistic, singular identity. Um, Some would say the devil is a poetic literary device for when corporate evil is just so big um, that we outsource it and we try to personify it into kind of a singular being. But regardless of the way in which you might relate to that thought, perhaps we put that aside until Sunday um, or just aside completely and instead focus on what's happening within Jesus. But if you're like, wait, no, let's go there, um, I thoroughly encourage you to bring that to our discussion on Sunday so we can explore some of the other areas of focus in this passage. Cool. Cool. Um, But back to this frame of the temptation. The First Nations version of the text, which is an indigenous translation of the New Testament, refers to this passage as a vision quest for creator set free, aka Jesus. And the accuser walks through these three increasingly serious challenges to Jesus, starting with Jesus's immediate physical need. He's tempting Jesus to do something completely individualistic, which is to feed his hungry self. Should he use his power for himself or is it meant to help others? The second temptation, right, for political power. Um, The third, to prove his own worth, answering questions of his identity and authority. Um, And I think something that's important to name is that this whole text really gets at Jesus's identity. Um, Not necessarily who he is, but how he's going to be. And I want to mostly deal within this temptation for power. And what is power? I think the official definition is something like the ability to do something or act in a particular way, Um, like the ability to influence the behavior of others um, or just how things unfold. I would summarize this as the ease to do or get what you want. And I think there are, you know, some noble attempts at power, having power over insecurity, perhaps, where you have the ease and ability to move through life without a particular kind of anxiety or fear. Um, But I think we know all too well what the misuse of power looks like. We see it unfolding right now in a variety of ways, um, particularly within um, what's happening in the Ukraine. And it's a very human thing, I think, to desire a certain amount of ease in life. Um, That's how things like social networking, Amazon, DoorDash, etc. kind of came to be. It's playing on this desire for ease. And I don't think any 
action or any desire for this kind of power is always inherently falling into a category of completely good or completely bad, right? When Target and other companies started putting together like the drive-up options where items you purchased online would be wheeled out to you without you having to leave the car, um, or just the fact that many more items could be delivered to your home, um, we actually saw a breakthrough with accessibility. Um, There are many people who have benefited from these services. But we also have to look at the cost, right? Does this ease of service negatively impact others? Does our power over accessibility cost somewhere, someone somewhere else? For example, right, the Amazon drivers, the transporters, grocery store workers who were subjected to some of the worst conditions in the time of COVID and given no hazard pay. I think there's also a certain temptation to turn away from this reality, right? Because there's something about the ease that benefits us. Um, And I think in some ways, Jesus's temptation in this text in the wilderness, where he's been drawn out, perhaps on this vision quest, right? Finding identity. Something in that temptation was about seeking a more comfortable way. I think Jesus too faced a temptation of accommodation. And I don't believe that it's sacrilegious to explore or admit Jesus's temptation. If it wasn't something that he at least partially desired, it would have all just been a charade, not a true moment of temptation. And again, I want to refer back to that point of not every action is inherently good or bad but we have to just deal with the reality of what is. You know, Jesus, he descends by using scripture. And as we walk through Lent, I think we see time and time again how he disagrees and shows another option as he descends towards the cross. I think, and again, whenever I use that phrase, I always mean that I hold it with open hands. That is why I look forward to our time on Sundays, where we, the collective, get to share different perspectives on how we hold this idea, text, or community. But I think that Jesus is doing something specific here. I don't think that this is so much a passage about transcending or easily overcoming a challenge put in front of him. I think he is embracing his reality, his hunger, his temptation, in a way that struggles to do so. I think Jesus embraces his whole self here. And simultaneously, he recognizes and pushes back against the temptation to hold or to use his power for his own gain. Instead, he's reminded of his relationship with the divine, his relationship to the people, and his relationship to the cross. Now, our patron saint, Richard Rohr, um, provides, I think, a different kind of language for talking about sin as instead being understood and as our woundedness, right? And the whole frame that I grew up with in this whole passage of, you know, Jesus overcomes and, um, you know, he denies temptation, it was all about avoiding sin. Um, So that's why I bring this up. 
But I, I really appreciate this frame of woundedness. And perhaps this is a woundedness that arrives from external force or comes in tangent with our own capacity for self-destruction. Sorry, can't talk today. Um, but we can't read that, though, without acknowledging the truth that many are subjected to wounding environments without their consent. But when we, when we look at this idea of temptation coupled instead of sin and depravity, but woundedness, um, let's be real, it is hard to acknowledge our woundedness. It's hard to look inward in this kind of quest uh, that moves beyond a surface level experience of ourselves. I think that there's a very real possibility of going our whole lives without truly knowing ourselves. There's a certain temptation to not do that hard work. Yet even by acknowledging our true belovedness, I think we have to acknowledge our true wounds. And without naming it, how can we possibly ever heal and live fully into what our belovedness already claims? Our real job, I think, is to be awake that this is our reality, our whole selves. I think Lent invites us to descend within ourselves, not with the goal of shame or holding ourselves to this candle of depravity, but to get an intimate connection with the wholeness of ourselves. That includes our woundedness. That includes the things we've shoved in the closet and left in the dark. And I hate to be the one to break it to you, but if right now you're thinking, well, you know, I don't have any of that, um, I very much challenge you to think again. We all carry stories. We all carry memories, moments in our bones. None of us make it out of this life unscathed. But I think this idea of understanding and being in relationship with, whether you call it your shadow side or woundedness or just the reality of being a human being, um, I think that is the call in this text and in the wholeness of kind of being a part of real vulnerable community. You know, perhaps that's where the gentleness actually comes in. We don't have to rush to Easter morning and be completely healed of all of our rough edges. How might we instead, you know, not be caught up in the temptation of rushing ahead, of looking a certain healed way? What if we metaphorically sit down for coffee with our woundedness and give it space to tell us something? Whether it's a temptation, or feeling hurt, or acting out towards someone, what is it telling you about yourself, about what you need? And you know, all those things to say, uh, what I really don't want to have happen here is to have this message be oversimplified to mean something about our identities or worth when we give in to temptation, or don't come back with scripture against any possible invitation towards ease or power. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. 
Instead, I'd like us to come away with questions about what does it mean to believe or follow a Christ who resisted political power, who resisted using his power just to satisfy his own needs, who resisted the invitation to show off who he was. It seems like this journey in Lent does kind of push away from um, perhaps that side of Christ's self. But instead, what does it look like to embrace our whole reality, embrace our whole selves? And you know, there's a difference between power over and power with. Um, You know, having power over someone versus having more power when you combine forces for good. And also recognize and acknowledge that all of this exists not in kind of that dualistic, either total good or total evil. You know, most most people's daily ethical choices are not one or the other, but between those various shades of good, you know, partial good um, or something disguised as good. This is all the stuff that we're working out. And to return to this idea of power, you know, I think that there's a difficulty in embracing a different relationship with power that isn't just words. And we at Mission Hills, we talk, um, you know, a lot about justice, whether that's environmental justice, anti-racism work, um, or supporting those experiencing the homeless, um, experiencing homelessness. But what does it actually look like? here or at home? How do we avoid the temptation of ease when it is explicitly or implicitly at the cost of someone else? I think that is what I'm interested in and I hope that our community takes interest in. And moving forward towards perhaps a gentle approach towards the fullness of our reality, the fullness of ourselves. It doesn't have to all be doom and gloom so much as seeing these things as information, um, seeing these things as windows into um, who we are and what we're doing here, right? That's what it's all about, learning how to be human. And I'm excited to kind of explore this text more with you all on Sunday. Um, you know, got to give a, a quick shout out to the music um, that opened us today. It's originally a song by Joey Badass. Um, My Joy Dermot Kennedy did a cover of it. That's also great. Um, Sorry, I'm still not over that obsession, but if you're interested in hearing the actual lyrics, uh, go ahead and go look that up on your own time. Um, I didn't want to color the podcast too much, but um, all that to say, you know, I hope that there's a moment this week where You can invite that space for yourself and also invite that gentleness. As always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen.